on a mountaintop is joy. You can't get around God without getting joyful. It's impossible. Because he is very positive. <laughs> he is the ultimate optimist. He knows how this is all going to wrap up. He gets to be with us for eternity. I don't know why he's so joyful about that, but he is. And listen, living life without joy is no life at all. In fact, it is a terrible life. Some people have tried so many ways to get joy with so little success. Joy is so fickle. In fact, I want to read uh, some statistics to you very briefly. I want to read some statistics on depression. Rates of depression across all age, race, and socioeconomic groups more than doubled in the United States from 1992 to 2001. So in a nine-year period, the rates of depression uh, across all uh, age groups, race, and socioeconomic groups doubled. This is an article from the American Journal of Psychiatry. A more more recent statistic says that 9.5% of the U.S. population is depressed in any given year. That's 18.8 million Americans are considered clinically depressed in any given year. Their article goes on to say that nothing can really explain it. It says, since, quote, since such a rapid change cannot be explained by genetics, uh, genetic causes, attention and future research should be drawn to environmental changes that have taken place in the past decade. They don't know why Americans are so depressed. It is such a contrast coming back from Ethiopia, where everybody is so stark poor, and yet they had joy. And I mean real joy. I was just stunned by it. And yet here where we are so prosperous... We deal with an enormous amount of depression. Another study said that the depression is doubling every 20 years in America. Harvard Medical Center study said the rate of childhood depression is increasing 23% a year. In the past 15 years, the number of people seeking treatment for depression has doubled. Now 25 million a year. 90% of the people that leave the doctor leave with a prescription for antidepressants. One in five Americans are depressed or unhappy and report high levels of stress, anxiety, and sadness. That's from the Reuters Health in 2000. Statistics on antidepressants use. Adult use of antidepressants almost tripled between 1998 and 1994 and again 1999 to 2000. Antidepressants have become the most commonly prescribed drug in the United States. They're prescribed more than Drugs to treat high blood pressure, high cholesterol, asthma, or headaches, according to the Centers for Disease Control. 2.4 billion drugs prescribed in 2005. 118 million of those were for antidepressants. Between 1995 and 2002, the most recent year for which statistics are available, the use of antidepressant drugs rose 48%. 10 to 20% of the world's population used tranquilizer and sleeping pills. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S. with 40 million, 18.1% of the adult U.S. population, 18 years and older, are affected. The professionals say that if this rate continues, we will not have the systems and the infrastructure to minister to the amount of people who are truly clinically depressed in the United States of America. Now, aren't you... Glad you came to this Christmas service. 
Wasn't that fun? Why in the world would I talk about that at Christmas? Because believe it or not, Christmas is supposed to be one of the antidotes, one of the escape valves, one of the little worlds of fantasy we go into every year to experience joy. It is supposed to be the season of joy. And yet, many times, it's just the opposite. It can be a joy robber. In fact, let me show you this little video. You can see why sometimes Christmas just doesn't pan out to be all that we hope it would be.
<laughs> now, that last little piece is a little inside joke, which you wouldn't know about, so I'll tell you. That we had a Christmas staff Christmas party, and uh, Heather Nunn uh, led it, and she said that we were supposed to bring a Christmas story to, and have the best Christmas story to win the Christmas prize. And Hope's story, my wife, was that their Christmas tree caught on fire one year. So I thought she'd appreciate that. And she was dressed in a Mary costume from doing a Christmas play. And she came home and their whole house burnt down. And so she had to live in that Mary costume for two days. What is my point? My point is that sometimes I think we lose our focus. One of the reasons that Christmas, along with the rest of our lives, don't bring us the kind of joy that we're anticipating it's because we set life itself up to be the source of our joy, and it just is not. God has said that He wants to be the source of our joy. So whether you're in the middle of the Christmas season, and you get everything you want, or it's one of the most depressing times of the year for you, it can still be a season of joy if we're focused on Christ. He is the source of all joy. Now, I know that some, you know, are humbugs around Christmas time and they think it's just all about materialism and it's all pagan and all that. And uh, and then, you know, uh, there are those that just see it as a season that you can enjoy, but it's not the source of joy. I mean, you know, Christmas doesn't have to be a pagan season or a materialistic season. I mean, just because you have a Christmas tree doesn't mean that you are a pagan. I mean, we only, I only think I've seen one of our children actually bowing down to the Christmas tree in our living room and saying, oh, Christmas tree, who brought us out of Egypt? One out of five is pretty good. <laughs> My wife and I love the Christmas season. We play the Christmas music right after Thanksgiving. We put it on and she's baking and the kids are singing. Samuel knows all the Christmas songs, although we can't talk yet. He's singing them all. And um, Uh, We give gifts and we exchange gifts, but to us, the Christmas season is not about giving and receiving gifts. It is about us worshiping God and thanking Him for sending His Son. I want us to go back into history to the time when God visited the earth. And I want you to see that God's intention of coming to the earth was to inject divine joy into the human race by getting our eyes back on Him. And so I want you to see a few accounts. I'm going to jump through the Christmas story. And I want you to see about three or four different accounts of what happened when God came. And you're going to see a common thread through every person who had an encounter with God. God brings joy. Let's take a look at this. Oh, I have control, don't I? That's right. I keep forgetting. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. This should be the encounter you have when you meet the living God. They rejoice with exceedingly great joy. Let's look at another account. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angels uh, said to her, rejoice. That's the first thing the angels told her to do. When you have an encounter with God, you rejoice. Highly favored one. The Lord is 
with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now, here's the reason for the rejoicing. If you miss everything else, zero in on this. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. His name shall be called. That name means God heals, God saves. So we have the wise men rejoicing. Now, do you know why they were rejoicing? Let me ask you a question. Why did the wise men go to find Jesus? What does it say? What did they say they wanted to do when they found him? Worship him. This is why many believers in Christ have lost their joy. We don't worship him. It becomes about all the externals. And around Christmas time, it really comes about the externals. And our expectations get so high. And the higher your expectations about the external things bringing joy, the, the greater opportunity there is for disappointment. Because you have your expectation way up here, and if your reality is down here, that's the measure of disappointment you experience. We do this when we get married. Our expectations are so high that our spouse will turn out to be everything we want them to be. Silence falls over the congregation. You're not moving. You're not budgeting. You're not going to mess this Christmas up for me. I'm not admitting to anything. Or the way we expect our children or want them to obey us. Or the promotion that we were expecting. Or the friends that we think would be loyal. Or the church that we thought was going to be perfect. Or the in-laws that we hoped wouldn't come. Our expectations, we raise them expecting the external things of this life to give us happiness. It's even in our Constitution. The pursuit of happiness is in the United States Constitution. And yet God has said from the very beginning, even of our nation, our founding fathers said that God is the source of our prosperity. Don't forget Him. And we have. That is why our prosperity is increasing and so is our depression. Because we have left God out of, not just the mix, but out of the center. Let's look at the next. First, we have the wise men rejoicing. They were wise because they came to worship. We see the angels rejoicing. And now we see nothing. Mm. There we go. Now they were in the same country. Shepherds. No, wait a minute. I'm going to go back. I missed, I missed something. It's very important. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. That's her cousin. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. Mary's in another room. Mary's back in her bedroom somewhere and she hears Mary's voice. And when she heard, when she heard the greeting, it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. There's all sorts of supernatural things happening right now. Because Christ has entered somebody's home. God, in, in the womb of Mary. If you're just in the presence of Jesus, well, he's still in an embryonic state, can bring joy to a household. Isn't that amazing? 
John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, not even born yet, in the womb of Elizabeth, goes, Woohoo! God's in the house! And then his mom, Mary, gets filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to prophesy. <laughs> it's just amazing. Then she spoke out with a loud voice. Here comes Elizabeth busting out of her bedroom because God is in her house. She's filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what happens when you get around God. And she says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. God's in there. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting was sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for what? Joy. Jesus injected joy into John the Baptist when they were both still in their mother's wombs. See, we have to have spiritual eyes to recognize what life is really all about. It's about God wanting to enter our lives. And produce joy from the inside out, not from the outside in. God gives us tremendous blessings, and they do bring joy. I like Christmas gifts. Give me some. I will not turn down your gifts. I like them. But I know that gifts, you know, they, they, they're, they're, they get us excited for a little while. And then they just lose their tinsel. They just lose their... Their excitement. But Jesus never does. He is eternal. And he just gets deeper and deeper and wider and wider and broader and broader. And let me tell you something about him. The more you pursue him, the more you get of him. He is so deep. He is God. Our pursuit as believers are to be him. And then he says, I'll add all this other stuff to you if you'll just pursue me. Isn't that amazing? It's a, we get both. We get Jesus and we get stuff. We get the blessings of God. But we get so caught up in the blessings many times we just lose the blesser himself. And we wonder where our joy went. And so here's John the Baptist leaping inside of his mom's womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which are told her from the Lord. That's a great teaching on faith, and I'll teach on that sometime next year. And Mary said, My, now here goes Mary. First we have the wise men rejoicing. Then we have um, the angels rejoicing. Then we have Elizabeth rejoicing. Then we have John the Baptist rejoicing. And now here goes Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. But it doesn't end there. Let's go one more. Now they're in the same country, shepherds living in the field. Now we have shepherds keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, but behold, I bring you good tidings of what? Great joy. We just keep losing our focus, don't we? Which will be to... All people. That's God's design. That's God's desire. That's why God has come and that's why he keeps coming to us. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Here is the, the source of the joy. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior 
who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in the manger. Then the shepherds returned, glorified and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. All the things they had heard and seen. This is the key to a walk with God. That we invite Him in, we press into Him, and we hear and see great things about God every day of our lives. I'm telling you, God is such a tremendous source of joy. In fact, one time, one of the closest friends in my life died. She could not handle life and depression got a hold of her, and she committed suicide. And I was wrecked, as you can imagine, if it was somebody that was so dear to you and, and uh, experienced such a horrendous thing. Maybe some of you have experienced something like that. And I went home to visit my family, and I was just, I was a zombie. I was no good. I'm at a restaurant, and I'm just staring down at the plate, and I'm not trying to be, you know, a party pooper, but, I mean, I, I just, I was just numb. Just numb. We're not designed to handle death and that kind of sorrow. God didn't create us to be able to negotiate death. We were never supposed to die. He created us to be eternal beings. And for those who give their life to Christ, you're reborn and you actually become an eternal being to live with God forever. That's why Christ came, was to redeem us. And I was got in the backseat of the car and I'm sitting there and the Lord spoke a verse to me. He said this, it's in the book of Nehemiah. And he said this to me, mourn no longer. For today is a good day. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And something happened to me. And all of a sudden this joy entered my soul and the depression left. And that was the last day, the last moment I experienced any depression or sorrow over that situation. Now that's amazing. If you understand what I'm saying. Go ahead. That's amazing. Any psychologist will tell you. It takes about two years to recover. From the death of a loved one. Especially one like this. Where they commit suicide. And, and the, the mourning and the sorrow. And the death that surrounds that whole thing. And God delivered me. In a moment with one word. He said, don't be sorry any longer. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's God's joy. It's a separate joy than our own joy. It's a separate joy than the joy the world can offer. It's God's joy from heaven that he injects into your soul. This is why the Holy Spirit has come to impart all that God has and is into our very lives, into our emotions, our minds, our thoughts, into our bodies. This is why He heals bodies. This is why He gives peace to minds. This is why He speaks comforting words to our souls. The Bible says He is the shepherd of our souls. And so today I want to very quickly talk to two groups of people today. The first group of people I want to talk to are those of you who have never experienced what I'm talking about. You have never experienced the joy of God. And it's because you have never yielded your life to Jesus Christ. God cannot inject And infuse your soul with heaven's joy if you don't receive His Son into your soul. Because until you do that, you have a death penalty over your life. Because the Bible says the penalty of your sins is death. And you're eternally separated from God. 
That's why you're groping and trying to make sense out of life. And you're not sure what the purpose of life is. And you keep adding things to yourself and your life gets emptier and emptier every time you add something new to it. Because you're missing God. And God says, anyone who receives my son, I will no wise reject. But I will receive you to myself. All you have to do is one simple prayer. God, I receive your son, Jesus Christ, into my life as my Savior. The moment you do that, your sins are completely wiped away. And God will send the Spirit of His Son into your soul in that instant. And you will experience the joy I'm talking about. In fact, when I just got back from Ethiopia with a team from our church a couple weeks ago, we led over 200 Muslims to Christ. And let me tell you, the most remarkable part of that trip for me was when I'm sitting in front of a Muslim... And I'm looking at them right in the eyes, and I'm thinking to myself, there's no way this person is going to receive Jesus. I mean, you just kind of feel like there's a holy war already there. And somehow, you got to persuade them to give their life to Jesus Christ, which could be inflammatory. And I went through two interpreters, and I told them the story of Jesus. In about three minutes, Jesus came to die for your sins. They buried him. God raised him from the dead, and he went back to heaven to be with God, and he invites you to follow him to heaven. But you need to receive him as your Savior for that to happen. Would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? Honestly, I didn't expect much. I really didn't. And so many of them said, yes. They said, ish. I said, what? Huh? Are you sure? Now, I went through two interpreters, so maybe they didn't get the message clear. I said, are you sure that this guy, you told this guy, you, you understood what I said, right? And you told this guy what I said, and then they made sure that that person said it. Now, are you sure that they said yes, coming all the way back to me? They said yes, they want to receive Christ. I'm wow, this is amazing. And so I'd hold their hands, and I would pray with them. When we got done praying, I looked into their eyes. I saw this again and again and again and again and again. I looked into their eyes, and I saw the joy of God. I saw it. And so to the first one, when I saw the change in their eyes, I saw God in there. I said to them, ask this person what they're feeling inside right now. I went, bing, 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 bing. Back to me. And they said, very, very happy. I said, that's what I thought I saw. And one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. Can I tell a story really fast? Can you tell a story really fast? What happened yesterday? Can I, can I uh, Mark wants to tell a story. <laughs> All right. I've been thinking about this since you started. You never know what's going to happen next around here. You know you have a good pastor when he'll let you do something like this. Very quickly. Yesterday at the mall, I was praying for an older lady who had an incurable disease. And there was a mother and her son, you know, in the food fair. The seats are really close. Well, they were right beside me. So this um, lady, I think she's from Africa, and her son were sitting like right there. And I'm praying for this lady. And she keeps listening to what I'm saying. And I noticed that she's listening. So I turned to her and I said, can I pray for anything for you for Christmas? And she thought about it and she said, you can pray for my son. He's not doing well at school. So I said, okay. And I found out his name. 
And I just put my hand on his shoulder and I started to pray for better memory and better retention of facts and, and, and better thinking processes. And I finished praying and, and she said thank you. And I went back to talking to this lady. A couple minutes later, she interrupted and said, we need to tell you something. So I said, what? And she said, he just told me that while you were praying for him for improvement in his thinking, he felt his stomach start to tremble and laughter coming up. Wow. It was really cool. And I looked at him and I said, I said, that's that's God touching you. That's the first sign of God touching you. I said, would you like more of that? And he said, yes. And, he's, and, I, and, he, and, and I said, I'm going to pray for you. Let's see what happens. And he said, well, if it starts again, can I laugh out loud? I said, of course you can laugh out loud. So I put my hand on him and I said, the joy of the Lord. Yeah. I said, in the name of Jesus, I call forth the joy of the Lord. And he started laughing and his face broke into that grin. And it was just what you were talking about. Mm. I mean, God just touched this little eight-year-old kid. Bam, it just exploded. That's beautiful. Praise God. I love it when people interject my sermons and it actually works. I really hate the other. And so, those of you here who have never received Jesus Christ in your life, listen. If it's not true, don't worry about it. All you did was waste a little breath asking him in. But if it is true, what are you missing? What are you missing? The whole purpose. The whole reason. I was driving to church here today with my son. He's nine years old. And I said, Elliot, why did God create us? And I'm thinking the PK would know by now. But it's just we keep forgetting. We get so religious. We, we get so caught up with this natural world. And he said, I don't know. And I said, why do you think he created the waves and the sand that we get to play on and the birds we get to hear and the sunsets we get to watch? He said, I don't know. He said, he did it for you. He did it for me. He's a good God. He did it just for us to enjoy. I said, now, why do you think he created you and me? And so many times if I ask that question to believers, Christians, they say to serve God. I said, no, to love us. He created us to love us, to show us his love. And then when we get touched by God's love, our automatic response is we sing like the birds. We return the love that God has touched us with. We return it back to Him. See, that's Christianity. It's not church going. It's not Bible reading. It's not all this religious outward workings. It's about being touched by God. And yet we forget that. And we get distracted. And so I'm going to talk to the second group of people today, and that is those of you who are touched by God, touched by the joy of God, but that mark that God left on your life of joy has faded. Or maybe you've lost it altogether. What is that about? I believe that we get so blessed by God that we end up getting very anxious about the things that He's blessed us with. We get so caught up with stuff, gaining stuff, keeping stuff, protecting our stuff, getting more stuff, that we end up with an enormous amount of anxiousness and anxiety. My wife, her greatest, her her favorite concept is simplicity. And she bought a book on simplicity. There's such a peace in simplicity, not having so much stuff but having what you need and some other stuff that's enjoyable, but just keeping it simple. And then she bought a second book by the same author on simplicity. 
And then she bought a third book by the same author on simplicity. And I thought, hmm, there, there's, there's something awry here. You made good money on the first book of simplicity, and then things started getting complicated. Isn't it funny how we do? You would think an author of simplicity would just write one book. But no, the book made some money. <laughs> yeah. Yes, now we have to keep writing books on simplicity. We just get so caught up in the blessings that we really forget that God is our source and God is our joy. Now, I love blessings. I mean, there was a businessman in our congregation this year that he I told some of you may know, God told him to give me his car. And when he told me, I said, well, that just might be the Lord, brother. And then he didn't give it to me. And I didn't say anything. But for like 60 days, I didn't hear anything. And then he came up to me right here on the patio and he said, God keeps talking to me about giving you my car, but I'm having a lot of trouble with it because it's a really nice car. And I said, well, brother, if you, you know, you're comfortable living in disobedience, just go on with yourself. Because it's my job to help you obey the Lord. This is what I do. This is why I'm here. That's why I'm in your life. And so, you know, he felt bad. He gave me the keys and I blessed him. I said, you did right. And so now, listen, I love that car. It goes faster than most anybody else on the freeway. Not that I would know that. I mean, experientially. And, but listen, here's the thing. Though I love that car, I'd give it away in a heartbeat if God said so. I really would. You say, well, how do you know you would do that? Because I gave my other one away. And I've given anything away that God's told me to give away, I've done it. And I'm not trying to sound super spiritual. All I'm saying is, I enjoy things. But God's the source of all things. And so every time I get in that car, almost every time I'm driving down the road, I think about how much God loves me. I don't think about the car. That's not the, that's not the end of the road. That's not the purpose of the exchange. It wasn't me getting a new car. It was God a, uh, expressing His love to me. That's why I love giving gifts and receiving gifts. It's the love exchange that happens in the midst of it. And when I drive that car, I think, God, man, you just, you didn't have to do this, but you just wanted to show me that you love me. And so there's nothing wrong with Christmas. There's nothing wrong with giving and receiving gifts. There's nothing wrong with stuff and blessings. God just says, don't forget me in the midst of it, or you're going to lose your joy. So the first thing that causes us to lose our joy is uh, distraction. Now, you can refocus, and this is what Israel did. And look what happened when God's people, Israel, refocused after they had gotten too busy, too distracted on the blessings of God, and God called them back. In that day, you will say, the prophet is saying, in that day when you refocus on Christ, I, you will say, he's saying, this is the condition. This is what will happen to you. This is what you'll actually say when you return to God. I will praise you, O Lord. Although you are angry with me, your anger is turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has, be he has become my salvation. Now this is people that were already saved by God. But they had lost their focus on God, returned to God, and He once again had become their salvation. And look at this next line. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation 
Returning to your first love. Not forgetting Christ in the midst of His blessings. In that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord, call on His name, make known among the nations what He has done, and proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for He has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. So one of the things that robs our joy is distraction. We just get too busy and we forget about God. Now listen, let me say something to you about those who are really busy, which would be every one of us in this room. Sometimes we say, don't be so busy because you crowd God out. Well, there's another approach to it. Invite God into your busyness. God wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. You're studying, you're cooking, you're working, you're playing, you're sleeping, you're waking. At work, God wants to infuse himself into every aspect of your life. He, he wants to be inside of your busyness and produce joy inside of everything you're doing. And so let's not lose focus. But another thing that robs our joy is temptation. Sin robs us of joy. You may wonder why you're not interested in the things of God anymore, why the Bible doesn't excite you, why your prayer life has dried up, why you have coldness in your heart, you're not excited about the things of God like you used to. Sin will do that. Sin is like pouring ice water on a campfire. It hurts the Holy Spirit's feelings. It breaks God's heart and heaven shuts down on the inside of you. You're still saved, but the generator of joy has grown cold on the inside of you. He is a person. His name is the Holy Spirit. He is the one that explodes God on the inside of your heart and causes God's thoughts to come to your mind. And that gets quenched like a campfire, gets doused with water when we entertain sin in our lives and it causes God to shrivel up and be offended and hurt on the inside. But there's a solution to that. You just tell God you're sorry. And you say, I want you to restore my joy. And the thing that's great about God, He'll do it that fast. He won't reprimand you. He's not punitive. He's not even going to talk to you about the sin. He's just going to be happy that you're back home. And that can happen for you today. Look at King David. Happened to David, a great king in the Old Testament. King of Israel who committed adultery and first degree murder. The prophet said, your sin has found you out. And he says to God, this prayer, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. You see, he had lost his joy and gladness. He says, make me hear it again, God, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Look at this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. He had forgotten about the joy of the simplicity of walking with Christ. Either we get so busy in this life that we forget about God. We get so caught up in the blessings that we forget about the blesser. Or we yield to sin and we grieve the Holy Spirit and our heart grows cold and we grieve God and we lose the joy that comes from the wells of salvation that are placed inside of you at the new birth.
But all of that can be restored in a moment of time if we just turn ourselves back to God and say, God, we want you to be the center of our lives again. And so this Christmas, whether it's a great Christmas or a terrible Christmas, it really won't matter if you're focused on Christ. So this morning we're going to receive communion. And let's let it be a time, a moment, and all the flurry of life. Let's let it be a time where we zero in on the purpose of Christmas again and the purpose of our lives is to walk with the living God. Let's defy the statistics about depression. Let's be the people of God who shine with joy in the earth because we are in touch with the living God. For those of you who have never received Him, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to do that very thing before you receive communion and and welcome Christ into your heart. Would you just close your eyes right now for a moment? Just, this is, just, just prepare your soul right now. And get ready to invite Christ in. This is your moment with God. If you've never received Jesus Christ into your life before, ask Him to be the Savior of your life, ask Him into your soul, do it now. And you're going to feel that joy that I talked about when those Muslims in, e- or in Ethiopia invited Christ in. You're going to feel it because He's coming. So if that's you, all you have to do is just from your own heart, just say something to God like this. And you just say it right there in your seat. Just whisper it out. Say, God, I receive your son Jesus Christ right now as my Savior. I'm asking Jesus to come into my soul, to own me, to take me. I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross for my sins, for me. I believe he shattered death and he rose from the dead and that he is sitting at the right hand of God in heaven right now. And I want to follow him there. I want him. So Jesus, come in now. Just ask him, so Jesus, come in now. those of you who've been distracted and Christ has become kind of like a tool or an appliance or some nifty gadget that you haven't forgot about to set him aside until you need him to pull him out and use him. And you want him once again to be the center of your life. And right now just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've gotten distracted. I've gotten busy. I've gotten materialistic and lusting after more and more. Or I've given into sin and keep telling me not to do that thing and I keep doing it and it's just robbed me of my joy and I'm giving my life back to you again in this moment. And I want this Christmas season to be all about you. I'm letting you be the center of my life again. I'm going to ask the ushers to come down front prayer teams to come down front and receive communion this morning. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to come down. 
and uh, the usher is going to have the communion elements down here, and then they're going to have prayer teams that are just going to lay a hand on you and bless you as you come by with the blessing of God. And I believe the joy of the Lord is going to break over you. John, let's do it this way, just to manage it a little better. If you would go out to the side aisles and come up for communion, we'll have the ministry teams right here, and they can come through a blessing tunnel after yeah, they get their communion. We're going to do a blessing tunnel today? Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do a blessing tunnel. Okay. So everybody can just go out that way, and they'll have the, the communion stationed up front. Okay, so just, just wait just for a moment. Let me ask you this question. How many of you in here today would say, I received Jesus Christ into my soul today for the first time. Just raise your hand straight up so I ask Jesus into my life. I just invited Christ into my life and asked Him to be the Savior. Would you raise your hand straight up high so I can see it? I don't, I don't think I see anybody's hand. Just, if you ask Jesus Christ into your life for the first time, just raise your hand straight up so I can, I can see your hand. Really? Nobody? Anybody see a hand? Anybody give their life for the first time today to Jesus? Okay. How many of you, this message struck you and you are recentering your life on Christ? Oh, Jesus is happy about that. It's like a husband that has forgot about his wife or wife has forgot about her husband and they don't feel like they're number one anymore. That's what Jesus feels like. And so for you to say, I'm making Jesus number one again, is look, it, he, he, the feelings inside of him are like a husband or a wife, a spouse, that feel loved again. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Okay, now when you're ready, go out to the side aisles as we sing, Jesus, be the center of my life. You come down here, receive the communion. They're going to lay hands on you and bless you. And let's believe for the joy of God to break open in this place. Come when you're ready.
up here in line just just reminded me that I didn't tell you something about the brother who gave me the car. He's not a member of our congregation anymore, um, which isn't a real good testimony, except the reason he's not. Listen, God told him to give me his car, and you know what happened? He got promoted to be the vice president of his company. So he moved, yeah, which headquarters out of Pittsburgh, so I have to talk to God about that. But he got launched into a place of prosperity and influence. And he's a godly man. But he did what God told him to do. And I'm not saying it's just because of that one move. He's a giver. And he gave. And the next thing that happened was a promotion came down the pike. And God has blessed him with a, a whole new level. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? Praise God. Well, that was pretty sad. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That was a time to rejoice, not, not weep. I know it didn't happen to you. 
But it happened to one of our brothers. Okay, listen. Let's leave this place rejoicing. We're going to sing a song right now. I'm the drummer for the day. It's one of my favorite things in this life to do. I love playing my drums for God. I like chewing my tongue, spinning my sticks, and just giving them everything I got. So listen, we're going to play a song called Oh Happy Day. The Bible says once you're right with God, joy will burst forth in your heart. So let's all stand. Let's celebrate in this place today on our way out. God bless you and Merry Christmas.